Uh, good morning, everybody. Got another pretty day out there. Fall is a little bit in the air last few days. So uh, we are going to um, go to lesson six this morning and talk about um, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And that's Genesis 18:25. Okay, got a little feedback. All right, now we're good. All right, um, we still got, I think, uh, lesson four to go, and Brother Tim will pick that up next, I believe. Uh, so this story is in, the text is in Genesis 18, uh, 16 through 33. So let's read that to begin with. Abraham uh, intercedes for Sodom. Still got some feedback. Come forward. Okay. All right. Maybe this will work. All right. Um, verse 16. Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what has been spoken to him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, uh, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it. It has come to me, and if not, I will, will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous souls within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, I will spare it at, for this place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I am but dust and ashes, but have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than fifty. Would you destroy the city for the lack of five? So he said, If I find forty-five there, I will not destroy it. And he said again, again Suppose there will be forty there found there. So he said, I will do, not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. And he said, I will not do it for the, for the, if I find 30 there. 
And he said, Indeed now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, but I will speak once more. Suppose 10 is found there. And he says, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So this story here is um, uh, the, the question was asked by Abraham, who was going to be the father of the nations. And he had just entertained angels unawares. And we see that in the New Testament from Hebrews 13, 2. Uh, there were three men. Uh, two were angels. And many believed that the third was either the Lord or Jesus. The reason that we think that it was probably Jesus and not the Lord is because no man has seen the face of God and lived, as we, we see that in Exodus 33:20. 20. Uh, and you know, this isn't the only time that Jesus appeared in the Old Testament. There's also Joshua uh, 14, uh, 5.14, where the commander of the Lord, you know, appeared and Joshua asked who it was and bowed down to him. Uh, and it turns out that uh, that was Jesus um, because he was not rebuked for having been bowed down to. And in this case, we'll see that the three men Two of them peel off and go to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and one stays and does this bargaining with, with, um, with Abraham. So, and you know, there's other places that the Lord appears to men in the Old Testament. For example, we uh, we see in um, uh, I see exactly where it is, but I think it's Genesis 32 where it talks about. Uh, Jacob wrestling with uh, with the Lord there. So anyway, so these there's an appearance there with the three men, and um, they um, they 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 uh, go in, and uh, Sarah laughs about it because she's ninety years old, and Abraham's a hundred. When these men appear and tell them that she's going to have actually the one man, which is the Lord, appears and says she's going to have a son, a son of promise. And of course, that's Isaac. And, um, but it's true because Isaac is born. And um, so they entertain the strangers and kill the fatted calf and hearths of, on the hearth. And then they have uh, cakes for them. And so that leads us to the son of promise, which is Isaac and uh, Jesus eventually. Uh, and um, so this is kind of some, some background that goes up to this point. Um, so there's a conversation with the, with the, um, that appears with these angels and the Lord says, well, should I tell Abraham exactly what I'm going to do here and because he's going to be the, the father of all the nations and all the earth's going to be blessed through him. 
So uh, you know, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and uh, it's, he wants to find out if it's so. So these angels are dispatched, and they go down to find out what's going on. And of course, we know the story that they go down, and Sodom is very, very evil. Um, the word sodomy comes from Sodom. And, of course, that's a very devious sexual act. You know, a lot of our liberal friends say that they were just not, a, not accompanying strangers. Well, that is true. They did not. Uh, they they uh, wanted to gang rape the two angels that were with Sodom, I mean, with a lot. So they were certainly not, you know, accommodating to strangers. But uh, they also were very evil people, and they were kind of, uh, you know, unredeemable. Down to where it was, if, if ten people were uh, righteous, then the city would be saved. But not even ten were found. So um, the two angels proceeded towards Sodom, and of course they, there was a bargaining with the Lord to spare the city. And, uh, and this was probably because uh, the nephew, Lot, lived there. Of course, we know that he had a choice of where to go, and Abraham uh, chose not to go to, to uh, Sodom, but Lot wanted to go there. And so he was surrounded by evil, as it turns out. And, but, you know, he, he did want to. Abraham, in his mercy, wanted... He pleaded for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, and um, they, um, but, you know, he said, shall the judge of all the earth do what's right? And Abraham, uh, you know, he had faith. He, he probably knew that God would do what's right. Um, and uh, he went down to 10 people, from 50 to 40 to, I mean, 50 to 45. 40 to 40 to 20, all the way down to 10 to spare the city. Um, so God has infinite mercy, and um, he was going to spare it for 10 people. But as it turns out, only Lot and his two daughters were righteous enough to survive it. Now, the betrothed, I guess you could call it, um, Husbands really, uh, really engaged to be married. The two daughters, they laughed about this, and they said, "Well, this is not going to be destroyed," and stayed behind. But um, Lot and his two daughters and his wife, they proceeded to get out of there when God said He was going to destroy the place. And um, so, you know. Um, and as many as five cities were destroyed on the, on, on the plains here of Sodom and Gomorrah. And some of these lesser cities are talked about in Genesis 14.2. If you'll recall that story, uh, there's four kings against five kings and um, where uh, Abraham had to take 318 men and go save Lot at that time. Uh, and uh, so, you know, if you want to go back and read that story, 
he, you know, Melchizedek, uh, the the uh, the uh, priest, all of that story right there, where a tenth was given, and uh, you know, so there were more than just these two cities there that were destroyed. So uh, anyway, that's some some uh, background to what this uh, lesson is about. Uh, I'm going to get into some other things to talk about here about God's righteousness in a few minutes. But Brother Brownlow says, uh, you know, I think this was a pretty good question back in whatever year this book was written, 60 or 61. Uh, how many righteous souls would be found in the United States right now if a similar decree were to be enacted upon our country? And of course, this is just a rhetorical question, but uh, one that we need to really take seriously. So, um, but anyway, that's, um, that's kind of some background in this lesson. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Sodom and Gomorrah itself. Sodom and Gomorrah is mentioned at least 23 times in scripture. And most of it is not good. There is a... There is one time that Jesus said in Matthew 10, 15 that uh, if the apostles, when they were commissioning the 12 there, when, if, if uh, they're not accepted in a given town that they go to, then it's going to be better on Sodom and Gomorrah uh, than it will be for the town that doesn't accept him. So, you know, that's some pretty serious words right there if you're talking about... Uh, not being as good as Sodom and Gomorrah were. Um, the day of judgment is compared with the days of, of Sodom. And that's in Luke 17, 28 through 30. Um, it said that fire and brimstone uh, rain down on the people. And, um, and it's going to be the same way on judgment day. It's going to come, you know, they were just... Um, Given in marriage and 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 just doing feast and whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, the the whole those cities were destroyed, fire and brimstone. And uh, it talks about in Second uh, Peter two six through nine that God rescued that righteous Lot. Um, you know, Lot was tormented day and night by the evil deeds that were being done in in those cities uh, no doubt lot was probably one of the ones who had you know cried and and uh to god and said you know d please do something about all this uh evil that's going on in these cities uh you know there's just um there's just no uh, uh there's no humanity no mercy on it by any of these people do something about it and so you know lot was rescued and um so a lot of sexual misconduct a lot of just doing evil to people uh but some of them wanted to stay and didn't want to leave so it's um it's just uh just a terrible situation there so um so I guess we'll move away from Sodom and Gomorrah unless somebody wants to talk more about that. But that's really what um, the question that Abraham asked was about. You know, he's trying to, 
trying to save these, these two these cities from being destroyed. And um, of course, they were not saved because as it turns out, there were just three righteous people there. And uh, that's, um, you know, a sad commentary on, on those cities way back then. So, I mean, it was, and you know, the flood uh, wasn't very long before this. So it doesn't seem uh, that people, a lot of times people just don't learn. So, uh, so we'll move ahead and talk about, uh, we'll kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about the righteousness and justice of God. And uh, I think Brother Brownlow does that, and we'll kind of we'll do the same thing and maybe add a little bit to that. But some people uh, question the mercy of God and whether or not God even has the right on a, on a, a universe of, of, that he created to be over it and uh, to, to set the rules, so to speak. We'll talk about exactly uh, some things that people, you know, question about. And I'm sure a lot of people, you'll hear this sort of thing all the time. People questioning God, you know, why God let this or the other happen. Um, but anyway, righteousness, what is righteousness? What is justice? Righteousness, maybe I should have put justice first. Justice describes the actions one performs because of their righteousness. And uh, righteousness refers to the standard of right relationships with other people as defined by God. So God sets the rules. We don't set the rules. Um, he sets the standards. And we try to follow them and treat each other right or righteously according to the standards that God has set up. Whereas justice describes the actions we follow or the decisions that we make because we are righteous. So this means we, don't, we won't do or decide certain things in an evil or unfair way because we are righteous and trying to do the right thing and follow the standards that God set up for us. And that's why court just, uh, judges and justices and that sort of thing in the, in the courts of law, they don't need to be compromised. And I guess by that, by that I mean they don't need to take bribes. They don't need to um, have their influence swayed by their political persuasions or anything of that nature. Uh, they need, you know, justice, just like the you know, like it's supposed to be, the righteous judge. Of course, we know that God does. Um, some of the things that people question God for, among a, a lot of other things, but these are just a few, is why he ever appointed death? Why did he ordain eternal punishment? Why does he chastise us? Uh, why is there only one one church set for faith and uh, they blame him and we'll talk about this for more than one church uh, 
why he allows sicknesses and uh, setting up laws that they believe they could set up better laws than God. And, you know, this is some incredible, you know, gall for some people to think this way, but I'm sure you've heard it and I've heard it. Um, so we'll discuss these in a little bit of detail here. So why did, some people say, why did God set up death? Well, Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, then comes the judgment. Uh, God freed us from a world of sin and sorrow. I mean, that was a good thing. Um, Ecclesiastes 12.7 says, And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit will return to the God who gave it. Uh, man's sin is what caused death to begin with in Genesis 3.3. 3. Uh, he was told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but he did. And so, you know, that caused sin to come into the, into the world. Our fleshly bodies cannot enter heaven. So if you want to go to heaven, you got to die or you've got to be uh, uh, alive when Jesus returns. Uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 50, that the flesh and blood cannot enter heaven, nor corruption. And then again, our spiritual body is like his glorious body. It will have to be changed. And uh, Philippians 3, 21 says, our, our, that says that, that I, our bodies will be changed as his glorious body. And then we've got 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54, about corruptible bodies uh, shall, shall, uh, shall be done away with and we'll have an incorruptible body in its place. And death is really intended to be a blessing. First, uh, our Philippians 1:21 says, uh, Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then in Psalms 116.15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So, you know, God had a plan set up from the very beginning. All, it goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve's sin, that Jesus was uh, introduced there in Genesis 3.15, as the uh, serpent would, would um, you know, would would bruise his heel, but he would crush the head of the serpent. So that's Jesus when he would be he would come to serve. He would do away with the devil and for all, and uh, he would end up uh, being cast in the lake of fire in the end. So death, you know, question, you can't question death really because it's all. Uh, leads to heaven, getting to go to heaven. So it's just, uh, it's, it was brought into the world by us, by man, and uh, people who question death, and they just really don't understand, you know, God's, uh, God's plan. So some say, why would a, a righteous God have eternal punishment for people uh, that didn't do what he said. Well, that proves that God is righteous. 
Matthew 25, 41 says, He will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed and everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And then 2 Thessalonians 1, 9 says, they will be punished with everlasting destruction from, and be away from the presence of the Lord forever. You know, that's a, a really scary thing to be away from the presence of the Lord forever. And you know, you're just alone. Uh, eternal punishment is going to be a horrific thing. And the wicked, uh, another thing about eternal punishment is the wicked will cease from their troubling. You know, the devil is, is constantly after us. Job 3.17, and it talks about um, that he will be forever not troubling. You know, poor Job went through a lot, and uh, he was ready for the, the, the devil to quit troubling him. And uh, we, will, we are the same way. We don't want that anymore either, and certainly not in heaven. And it talks about that nothing that defiles will enter heaven. That's Revelation 21, 27. It says, nothing that defiles is an abomination or makes a lie will, ever, will be in heaven. Only those written in the Lamb's book of life. And uh, what we got to realize that in Joshua 24, 15, uh, we are given the right to choose. You know, Joshua said, choose this day which one you will serve, whether you'll serve the gods on the other side of, uh, of Canaan or whether you'll serve the, the, the true God, the one invisible God. And um, I threw this in here. What if we didn't punish criminals? You know, uh, Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach, reproach to any people. In some of the larger cities, crime has just gone rampant. As you well know if, you've, if you're watching the news. You know, there's been riots and there's been criminals that have been let off and given lighter sentences by some of these DAs and whatnot that are, that are put in there with uh, kind of that maybe shouldn't even be in there and says well what would you want heaven to have people like that in it you know that's one thing we got to look forward to there won't be people there in heaven who are criminals evil sexual deviants drunkards you know there's a long list in revelation about that so um so, you know, Galatians 6, 7 says, what we sow, we reap. And so, you know, God is a, it doesn't lie. So he says, what we sow, we reap. So you're going to get eternal punishment if you do not do what he says. You're not saved. Uh, what about chastisement? Well, God chastises us because he loves us. Hebrews 12, 6 for, says, for those who, the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges, and scourges every son that he receives. Uh, John 15, 2 talks about how he prunes productive vine branches so that they can, you know, produce more good, good uh, fruit. 
And uh, the psalmist is said he was glad for his affliction in Psalm 119, 71. Um, it, he said, it was good for me to be afflicted that I may learn my statutes, the statutes. And we know that adversity makes us stronger. Philippians 4, 13 says, I all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if God chastises those that he loves, maybe we should be more worried if he's not chastising us. So, you know, that's, a, that's another one that they... They don't, that a lot of people don't like is being chastised. Um, what about unity in, in worship or in the, in the faith? Um, some question that. They blame it on God that there's a lot of churches. Well, God only gave us one church in Matthew 16, 18. It says, you know, get, I will, I will um, upon this rock I will build my church, and church in the gates of Hades will not uh, prevail against it. And uh, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 talks about one body, one faith. And uh, so it, Jesus uh, prayed for unity. Uh, the book of John chapter 17 talks about how Jesus prayed for unity for the apostles then, for the disciples then, and for all the future church. So he... Um, Jesus no doubt knew that there was going to be a lot of um, a lot of uh, denominationalism that would come in to the church and he was praying for all of us back then um, and we know that God is unchangeable uh, Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever Hebrews 13.8 and uh, it was man who departed from the faith it was not it was not uh, God it, it was man who wanted to change things and um, we know that the Roman Catholic Church it was it was begun uh, with the Pope uh, breaking off saying that he was uh, you know Peter was the Pope and he was the first one and incorporated the, the, the government of Rome within the church there and uh, be became a political thing there uh, in what 325 AD with uh, um, Constantine and how the Roman church came on the scene and uh, all of these things just were man's doings they were not God's and that's why the restoration movement back in uh, the 1800s was bringing the, the church back to its original uh, faith uh, and uh, that's, that's how it, why it had to happen. It had gotten so far uh, out of kilter there. So um, what are some other things that people say, well, God's not righteous? Well, some people question sickness of their loved ones. Well, we don't know. Any of us want to have... Our loved ones sick, including myself. But, uh, you know, Adam sinned and caused the, uh, death and sickness to come upon the world. Romans 5.12 says, that Just as through one man sin entered the world, then death through sin entered to all men, and all of us have sinned. You know, Job was inflicted. We talked about him with bulls and uh, from 
head all the way to his feet and uh, was scratching them with, um, with uh, uh, broken pottery and everything. And he didn't curse God uh, a single time over it. Uh, so, you know, he's a very good person to, uh, to take into account there when we're, uh, we're, when we're inclined to uh, blame God for sickness. You know, Paul had many afflictions and sufferings uh, a long list of them are there in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. talks about how he had stripes and was beaten with rods and stoned and shipwrecked, had robbers, and uh, he had uh, the perils of the church, uh, hunger and uh, thirst. And, um, you know, it, he was worrying about the churches all the time. And, he had his thorn in the flesh that he'd asked three times to have, you know, uh, healed, but it never was because, you know, God said his grace was, if, was sufficient enough for him. Um, Aphrodite was ill, but he assisted Paul in prison. And, you know, we see that in Philippians 2, 25 through 30. And, uh, you know, Paul didn't even, didn't, he could have, but he did not heal him. So, you know, I think that that's a very telling thing there, that uh, sickness is really, you know, it's going to be here with us until the end of the, end of the world. And sickness will either weaken your faith or it will strengthen it. Um, when, when we went, uh, when Brother Paul and Susan and uh, Aaron and, and the Barkers, when we went to um, the Gaul Church of Christ down in uh, New Orleans, uh, one of the brothers there had a very good prayer. Um, he said that, um, uh, that he prays that, uh, that the, for the sick that they will grow in their faith as a result of their trials and afflictions. So, you know, I thought that was a very good thing to have said there um, you know instead of kind of being uh, you know having pity upon yourself for that to, to let that be a be something that will make you grow closer to Christ so I thought that was a very good thing to have said in your prayer of course we all need to pray and be thankful to God that we have good health those of us who have them have good health so we'll move on. We've got just about three or four minutes here. Uh, some questions God's righteousness think they could run the world better than he could, uh, than he can. Um, but God's ways are higher than our ways. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, our, uh, says my ways are higher, than, are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags in Isaiah 64, 6. Um, it says that all we do fades as a leaf and our sins uh, are like the wind that have taken us away. Of course, we know that in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short uh, of, the, uh, of, of his righteousness. And the wages of sin is death. That's in Romans 6, 23. Uh, so, you know, 
we are in, in no place to say that we are, would be better to run the world or run the earth than, than God would. I mean, the very thought of it. Um, of course, it's mainly the, 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 some of these uh, atheists that say things like that anyway. But Second uh, Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, God wants us to walk by faith and not by our own sight. And um, you know, the book of Judges ends in Judges 21-25. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So we know how that turned out. They, Israel was um, just very evil throughout the book of Judges. There's so many atrocious things that happen in the book of Judges there. And... Um, because they were not following God. Uh, another verse to keep in mind is Isaiah 45 verse 9 says, does the clay, and that's talking about us, we humans, does the clay say to the potter, God, who is God, what are you, are you making this with no handles? In other words, what that's basically trying to say is, uh, do we have the right to say to God, you don't need to make me this way or to make me sick or to make me you know, defective or to make me this way or that way? I mean, it's all, it, that's all God's place. It's not ours. So, um, you know, I guess if I'd have had time, I'd have gone over this slide right here, but... This is a this this little slide right here is just talking about the mercy of God, and how He's a God of second chances. And uh, he, you know, there's a long laundry list of people that we could put that another chance, and we might even put Adam and Eve, and uh, of course Abraham and Sarah doubted that they would have a son, and they did. Uh, David was an adulterer and a murderer, murderer who who repented. Uh, Manasseh was one of the worst kings, but he repented and was put back into the kingship. Uh, in the New Testament, Matthew uh, and Zacchaeus were both tax collectors, but they changed their life and became a, a very, um, you know, they followed Jesus and restored fourfold and, uh, you know, they uh, changed their Lives. And then, of course, we know the prodigal son lost his wealth and repented and came back. And God is the is exemplary of the fa of the father who take took him back. And of course, Peter, Peter denied Christ, and but he was restored and became a martyr. So, just in conclusion, uh, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as many men count slackness, but is long-suffering to all of us, uh, not any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So that's 2 Peter 3, 9. So yes, the, the, uh, the judge of all the earth is going to do what's right. He always has and he always will. So uh, that's the lesson, and uh, I guess we'll do lesson four next week.